You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hey there, we're live with episode 115 of Push the Point, presented by Mash Those Buttons, your source for Overwatch League news, player updates, storylines, and more from around the league of the Overwatch League 2021 season. That's a lot of words to go through. You're listening to us either on your podcasting platform of choice, which we thank you for, leave us a review if you can, or on twitch.tv slash mashthosebuttons, where we stream every Sunday night at 8 o'clock Pacific time, 11 o'clock Eastern PM, of course. I'm your host, Ramses, hanging out here, different location this week, so there might be a slight change in my sound, but I'm happy to be here with Labosco. How are you doing, my friend? Doing okay. It was uh, a good, I thought it was a really good final day of the regular, well, it's not really the regular season, final day of games before we head into the final tournament before the playoffs. Yes. So it, it was a good good way to sort of wrap things up as far as games. We had some really good games. It was, um, it was a good, so from that perspective, it wasn't too bad. Yes, sir. We're going to get into some news before we head into the games this week. A couple of things to kind of go through as we get nearer to the end of the season. First things first, um, award season is coming up. Uh, they've released some details as far as voting. But before we talk about that, they uh, Overwatch League and Blizzard have released a couple of skins that are Overwatch League tied from the past couple of years. Uh available for a limited time so from now up until august 24th we have uh the zen nakji uh mvp jonak zenyata skin which for my money is still the best one they've made uh the flying ace winston skin from the london spitfire championship season one which that's the one i've been wanting so i'm really happy to get that one goat brigitte which it still it makes me laugh so much how angry and like petty people get about the skin about Blizzard literally made a skin to commemorate how many people left the game because of this horrible meta. And then um, the Thunder Doomfist skin from last season's Overwatch, well, from last season's San Francisco Shock Championship victory. So a pretty good selection. Uh, they didn't put in the most recent MVP skin, of course. But so far, I think this. I think this is fun. And people wanted to th- try and make a mention like, oh, well, this is Blizzard trying to throw off the scent of like, they're trying to make it that Blizzard, this is a distraction from Blizzard around some rumors and leaks around the Overwatch League, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But you can go back in the calendars. They've done skin giveaways or something similar to this in the past couple of years of memory serves. Yeah, they've done things like this. But regardless of that, like if this was their plan to like pull people away from what's happening with Blizzard, it's a really bad one. So mm-hmm. I, I, I highly doubt that that was the point of this anyway. And regardless of that, it, if this is what it's like, oh, if we make these skins that were once not available, available, that'll get them to stop paying attention. That's really stupid. Like that's mm-hmm. then I have even less um, trust in in higher management than I do currently. Right. Like, like, like it, it, if that really is something, I highly doubt it, though, because even even uh, the people that, that are higher ups, I don't think would make a decision that bad. Any of these you're looking at picking up? I know I'm going to be for sure getting the Winston one. Um, I think I have all of them except for the Winston one. So 
because I already have the Jonak one. I, I, I don't remember if I got the I might. I don't know if I got the Doomfist one or not. Um, the only one I th- think I might not have is the which I might have it, too. I don't remember. I don't remember if I got it or not. I'd have to. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Dude, I haven't logged into Overwatch in a long time. I don't remember yeah. the last time I haven't felt um, the desire to play the game as of late for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. but I've also been playing other games, so it's it, it, it's a two factor thing. Like there's other games that I've been more interested in playing lately. Like I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14. I want to mm. say I have over 200 hours in that game and I only started playing like a month and a half ago. So really started playing a month and a half ago. I had I played it like three, four months prior to that, kind of stopped and then really got back into it a uh, month and a half, two months ago. So I've been putting a lot of time into that and like a lot of other games. Um, Diablo 2's beta is out right now, so you know I started playing that. So <laughs> I've just had other things that have been on my mind, and uh, it doesn't help that everything that happened with Blizzard makes me reluctant to play any Blizzard game, anyways. But that that is mostly why I haven't played, and it's probably going to stay that way, and unless we start playing here on Sundays again. Yeah, I feel you. I know at some point I want to just make a hard push before things wrap up, before things eventually go into 5v5 or everything crumbles. I want to hit diamond at least. Well, no, I want to hit plat, like solid plat with my my buddy who I tank duo with. So we'll have to grind it at some point. Getting into award season as well. They, there was an announcement earlier this week um, on August 12th talking about the three awards that are, be go- that are going to be going out this year. Um, these are the three official ones. There's kind of consensus other ones that people come out with. We've talked about like comeback player isn't an official recognition recognized award by the league, but like people talk about it. But the three league awards are going to be regular season MVP, which will be award to the man. This is such a dumb. So while I'm looking at this, you're going to be mad about how they phrase this. Um, so the, the 2021 Overwatch League MVP will be awarded to the best player in the league. <laughs> will it on august th- it's a dumb it's so dumb it's a dumb way of phrasing it um so they just revealed the 10 finalists and fan voting is fan voting is open on twitter and on the website through august 26th um this is the first time i've seen them actually incorporate some of the well so they'll get the mvp trophy a u.s um dollars five a US dollars $50,000 cash prize and then a MVP jersey patch for the 2022 season which to my knowledge this is the first time they've done an actual like jersey patch for any of it yeah fan votes will account for 25% of, of the overall tally with the other 75% coming from a combination of general managers coaches broadcast talent and media 10 finalists are determined through nominations by general managers and head coaches with a maximum of 3 players per team making the shortlist previous winners include Jonak, Sinatra, and Fleta. So there's, I mean, we knew this is just them kind of finally announcing it. They announced it at this time, I think around this time last year as well. Yeah, I was, I want to say it was similar timing, not quite at the end of the year. And then voting would go through, through the end of the regular season, sort of like this is going. So it, it definitely feels like it's very similar to years past. And I do think that they have, probably a really good pick of the best players in the league for this it, it, it's always tough right um 
to to pick this. It's like, you know, according to this, it's the best player in the league, right? Like, like there's always this conversation. Who do you pick for MVP? Is it the person who's the most valuable person to their team or is it the best player in the league? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Basketball is always something that comes to mind. LeBron James is probably sh- should have won like almost every year he's been in the league MVP. Not every year, but a lot of the years that he's been in the league and he doesn't have that many MVPs. Michael Jordan was the same way. It tends to go to the guy who's having a stellar season and also means a lot to his team's success. Like that's that's the way it goes in basketball. Now, from what we've seen in the Overwatch League so far, um, the argument I kind of feel like can go either way. Like I feel like Fletta, Fletta was the best player last year uh, for his team, but, but there were other really good players on his team as well. Like, like last year is maybe not the best example of that, but. But you think about like season one, Jonak's the perfect pick, right? Because like the game fundamentally changed around his style of play. And he mm-hmm. was for all of the intensive purposes, also the best player in the league at that time. Yeah. So, so you, you, you know, it, it's hard to say for Overwatch League, like, has it always gone to the best player or not? Um, there's definitely arguments to be made that like profit could get in almost every year. Well, um, let's actually we can actually go through the contestants if you'd like. As yeah, well. let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And like we said, only three per individual team are listed. So we have Fearless from the Dallas Fuel, Leave from the Chengdu Hunters, Hanbin from the Dallas Fuel, Sparkle from the Dallas Fuel, um, Fleta, Lip, and Izayaki from the Shanghai Dragons, Pelican from the Atlanta Rain, Shu from the LA Gladiators, and then finally making his, I think finally, he should have been a contender last year for it, I think, um, is Prophet from the Soul Dynasty. I think he was part of it last year. I, I can't think remember. So. Um, it feels like he should have been if he wasn't, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Regardless of that, I think they've put together a pretty good list. It's hard to not put together a very good list. Um, as per usual, it is a pretty DPS heavy list, but we do see Shu come in as far as supports. Izayaki too. Izayaki as well. And then it's a lot of DPS. And then I think the only tanks are Hanbin and, and Fearless, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So I, I was a little bit surprised by that because I think that there's maybe conversations for Hawk to be on this list. I think that there may be conversations even for space to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there. There's a void. Void is maybe the most egregious one of all of the players as far as an yeah. off tank is concerned. Um, void was on here last year as well. Yeah, he, he, he. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be this year, though. But like those are the couple oh, guys know, that just, come to mind. Um, I, I think there's maybe a few other players that you could have maybe have made conversations for. But I think the, they for the most part. These are the guys, right? Uh, I don't think Fleta had as good of a year this year. So I would have preferred if one of those other off tanks I mentioned had gotten onto here. Heck, Piggy could have maybe gotten on there as well because he's been that good on Houston as an off tank. I I think that the other off tanks I mentioned would be more likely to get on here and more deserving. But that just goes to to my point, though, that there's probably a couple of other guys that could have gotten on here. Other than Fleta. And um, I mean, he has the chance to repeat, though. Maybe he does something. Well, never mind. He can't even do something wild because they didn't make it. So I, I don't think it's going to Fleta is what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to him. 
I do wonder, I mean, the case for Lip for MVP this year is really strong. Iziaki's also had a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. The one that's interesting to me on here, too, well, Pelican, I think, is a great inclusion, but I think he's just such a good pick for rook for a rookie of the year that, like, I don't know. I don't I don't see him beating out um, any of the Shanghai or Dallas Fuel guys yet, at least. I might be totally wrong on that. But the shoe inclusion is interesting to me because shoe has been great for the Gladiators this year, but just hasn't had like maybe I'm in the wrong circles. I just haven't seen the same fanfare for him consistently through the season as we've seen for guys like Iziaki or Fielder for Dallas. Well, the thing is, is his team hasn't had the same success, right? Mm -hmm. Like they've been very good in the regular season games, but they can't make it to a tournament. They finally do now. Like if shoe. Like a way I can see for Shu winning this is like Gladiators go on a miracle run here. And not that it's that big of a miracle if they win the tournament. But but I definitely feel like the the two APAC teams might be poised more so right now than the NA teams. The only team that I I, I'm more thinking Atlanta's got the better shot between the, the two NA teams that are going, obviously, for this tournament in particular. But like APAC, I think the 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 top of the line right now is just so good. I mean, who would have thought that Chengdu would be 4-0 going into it and the top seed? Um, like, sure, they were in the championship game or the previous um, the previous tournament, but, like, there's so many guys that are contributing on that team. And I think it's one thing, like, this has always been one thing for me, is I've always thought that Chengdu was a team continually getting better. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Leave, I, I think Leave has a strong candidacy here for the MVP. But I think that it's been blown over proportion sometimes, like how um, like he's very important to his team. But is he more important to his team than than some of the other DPS that we have on this roster? I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know. He's not doing like astronomical DPS numbers that nobody else in the league is reaching. I, 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 I think that it's a lot harder to stand out as a DPS player than it is for other roles like a guy like Shu. So I, I just looking at it from that perspective, that's sort of where I'm coming from. And, and that's why I think like a strong ending for Shu could really put him in the conversation for the MVP, especially here at the end of the year. Yes, sir. We'll talk more about MVP as well, I think, after the tournament this coming week. Uh, a couple more awards to go into, actually. The Grand Finals MVP award will go to the standout player in the biggest match of the year. MVP will... The winner will receive a special MVP trophy and a cash prize. Previous winners, Profit in Season 1, Choi Yobin in Season 2, and Striker in Season 3. Voting conducted live during Grand Finals with fan votes accounting for 25% of the overall tally and the other 75% coming from a combination of general managers, head coaches, broadcast talent, and media, like has happened before. Winner will be announced after the conclusion of the Grand Finals match. Um, not too much to talk about with this one since we don't really know. We just don't know who the two teams are going to be in the finals. Like right now, I think it's, um, granted we, we, this, there was a lot of key pieces missing because of hero pools for this particular tournament. I still don't know if we know who the best team is right now. I think that we've seen some teams ascending and maybe finally reaching where Dallas and Shanghai were sort of untouchable. Feels like there's other teams that are sort of arriving to that here at the end of the year and, and going to be able to compete well in, in the tournament. Like, I, I don't think it's clear cut that it's Dallas versus Shanghai as like mm-hmm. our grand finals or something. 
Um, the Dennis Havelka Award, which honors our contributions of Dennis Internet Hulk Havelka to the Overwatch community, presented each year to the player deemed to be the most outstanding example of positive influence on their teammates, organization, and or community at large. Winner will receive a trophy and a jersey patch for the 2020, for the 2022 season. I'm really surprised. I, I'm liking that they're doing jersey patches this year or for next season. I think that's a really good marker. You saw them kind of like unofficially do them for the San Francisco Shock jerseys last year. Or maybe this year. I'm not sure. But they I'm happy that they have them going this year. Um, previous winners, uh, Mickey from the Dallas Fuel in season one. Custa from the L.A. Valiant in season two. And McGravy from the L.A. Valiant in season three. I do wonder. This one doesn't seem as clear cut because season one, it was very obviously Mickey. Season two, there were a couple of different people, but Custa was a very good fit for it. McGravy, I think, had the biggest community impact last year with uh, the Diva bodysuit thing, but also just being a really good voice and things. I don't, nobody comes to mind immediately this to, for this year for this award for me. That's hard because, you know, the you, you I, I thought it was hard last year too, where you, you are, you're in a pandemic for so long, like, you don't really get to see community outreach stuff happen all that much when you're stuck inside. So I think picking for this is a lot harder when when you're dealing with stuff like that. Right. Um, as far as who who would who should be picked, it's so hard to say because of that. So I, I definitely feel like that the people internally will have a better idea of who to pick. Like, I, I wonder how they do this, because this is basically very similar to the Walter Pyramid, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which uh, the way that goes is there is one player, I think, nominated from each team is how mm -hmm. they pick that. I, I, I'm very curious if, if that's what they do for like the Overwatch League, if they nominate one and be like, hey, this is what this guy's been doing or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know how the league sort of decides this one, because it, it is. um. It's very important award to a lot of people. So. Mm -hmm. I do like the only person that comes quickly to mind for me would be fearless. And that would be because of his statements regarding um, anti-Asian hate earlier in the year. There was a stream that he did talking about like their experience in Dallas and how hard, and how hard it's been and, and trying to draw attention to that cause. That's the only thing that comes to mind immediately for me. I would really like it this year. You look at this award list and it's all three of them have been players that have been on primarily Western teams that interact with primarily Western social media. And granted, I don't know what things are like over. I, I, I don't have that much exposure to Weibo Korean social media to Weibo or even I just don't see a lot of the things that a lot of the Korean players say out into the world. I would like to see somebody like fearless or somebody like one, I would love to see one of the Korean players get it rather than a lot. It, it just feels like this award is very Western focused only. You, you know, you know who would be a good person to pick for this award. And unfortunately, he hasn't played a whole lot because an incredible rookie main tank has kind of come in to take his, usurp him. Is uh, he Amon? Yeah, I feel like he could be a pretty good choice for that. He's always been like that guy that everybody likes, right? That's a, Evil Tell also could get it too. I think. Yeah, exactly. I think Evil Tell has been. Yeah. The, there's there's a couple of people who are non-Western 
that I think could get it from a technically Western team. I feel like the fearless choice wasn't too bad, but another guy from his team, I think is gives, has the most infectious energy like sparkle. Like I feel like sparkle could, could, could get it right. Like as far as you talk about guys like that, Mm -hmm. I I think he would be, he should be like a finalist, right? I, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like guys like that could definitely be some of the choices for it. There, there's probably other players too that we're not even thinking about as well. Like, like this is this is just a lot harder of an award to sort of do something like this for. So, I, I think that there's definitely some other people that could maybe be the ones that they they talk about for this that that we we might not have expected, but probably fit. Definitely. And we'll go over our official award, like loadout, I guess, of people as we I think once we get through Countdown Cup in the break between Countdown Cup and uh, play in tournaments. Looking as well, rookie of the year recognizes the best new player in the Overwatch League. Players are eligible if they were not under contract in any previous owl season and have played at least 50 percent of the maps for their team in the current season. Voting process. Same people are consulted. Previous winners. Uh, Hacksaw and Alarm. We talked about it. Pelican definitely seems to be like the main most talked about front runner for Rookie of the Year. But there's other people who are in that conversation. We've talked about Gaga. We've talked about a couple other people. I do think like. I would love to see kind of the, the tier list of who the choices are just to see what the general consensus is. Cause I love piggy. I think piggy would get a strong nod. Skewed. Skewed. skewed Especially skewed as of too. late. Right. I think it's just that Pelican has had such the most visible, I guess, impact with his team from his position. And that's the DPS position in general, right? Like it's so yeah. hard to not pick DPS players for stuff like this, but I feel like if there's a year where, we might see a tank player win it. This might be the year because Gaga has been a difference maker and like they, they just look better when he's in the game than even when Among is in. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate to say that, but that's just how good he has been. So I, I think a guy like him could be in the conversation piggy as well. I just don't think that that Houston has done enough in the tournaments where, where he's going to no. get the consideration for it. But he has been that good of a player on the on the team. Even Jangu as well mm-hmm. has been pretty darn good. So there's definitely some of those players that I think maybe should be looked at, but they might not be. I think there's supports and Monk and MCD and, and a couple other guys that maybe you would consider for that as well. Monk to me, again, is still the biggest surprise because I thought Far Away 1987 was going to be the guy for that flex tank or flex support spot. So the fact that he's able to beat far away at 1987 to me is still one of the most impressive things and infusing things, but he has been a difference maker for them. So you think coldest could get and could get rookie of the year next year, considering he hasn't actually played. I thought he played in one map. <laughs> I feel like he's played once or am I misremembering that? I, he probably has played once. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I've heard Kenobi at least tweet one time about him playing. It, it's still a it, it is still a head scratcher that like coldest and far away 1987 were two of the most talked up like 
uh, flex supports, and neither of them have seen as much action as anybody thought that they would see. That's still wild to me. Yes, sir. And then I think the last award to go into is they they introduced this last year, the Coach of the Year Award, which let's see what their metric is. Recognize the coach deemed to have the greatest impact on their team each season. Previous winner, uh, Moon from the Shanghai Dragons. I th- I think with Moon winning it last year, I would imagine this is Rush's award to lose, kind of. Um, it could be Rush's. It could be... Um... I still really like Get Amazed for this, but I think we've talked about this before. If it becomes a thing of like, well, you have to have a lower, you have to have a lower ranked team to get up to there. But I think that there's an argument to be made for get Amaze as well. Yeah, but then again, they they faltered here towards the end. Right. So, you know, Eagle Gaming or not, it doesn't matter if you're not winning games. So. you, You still have to win the important ones, and that's something that pair still hasn't done. So I, I, I don't know if I feel that way. I also think that um, I feel like players on that team have been underrated by people, too. But I, I think that the other case you maybe make, if any, would be for um, Rui. Or mm-hmm. UI, uh, who, again, talk about a guy coming back who kind of thought he was done because of physical illness. So I, I, I think that's a, that would be a good story, especially if they win, like they, they come in second place in the last tournament. If they get the championship here in this next tournament, I could definitely see that like sort of solidifying him as the choice because Chengdu hunters was, were still a team that people really weren't very high on coming into this season like there were some of us that were really excited because we knew how good gaga and far away 1987 and stuff were like there was a lot of us that that were excited for this team but there was a lot more of us especially in people who are quote unquote in the know who were not as high on Chengdu. Mm-hmm. we'll have to see i think rui is a good inclusion for it yeah a couple more things to talk before we start getting into games we gotta speed up a little bit um you know, we've talked about how we're going to be revisiting and continuing to follow up on the Activision Blizzard lawsuit um, as we keep going forward with the podcast. Um, there's an article that came out, I think, today. Yeah, today from Upcomer talking about how titled Activision Blizzard's employees are fighting against a broken system. Going on to say that taking away certain bad actors is important, but that overall the system of blizzard where bad actors are hired and then not actually taken care of or not actually rules are not enforced and hr isn't helping is why things have gotten so bad they mentioned specifically you and i've talked about tespa before which was a collegiate esports organization that was bought by blizzard where people from tespa are specifically mentioned as well there's a lot of those people were overwatch people in tespa Mm -hmm. um Looking at that, it, a lot m- more in-depth accounts from sources who worked at Blizzard, who spent time at Blizzard, talking about their treatment from other male employees. And But the main thing about this was that the, it's been wa- being widely told that HR would not be in, is not interested in helping you 
in any sort of sexual harassment or sexual assault case. You had, there is a story in here of um, somebody working with Heroes of the Storm that, um, there's like the two stories that really stand out for me is there's talk about um, them wanting to make a, an it, some sort of it gets better video. Um, so somebody talked about bringing forward the idea to Mike Morheim that um, they want to make it, it gets better video in the wake of, I think there was a recent um, teen suicide that had made the news and Morheim's official response is we're not political. We don't want to make like, we're not a political company. We don't want to make that sort of statement. Which, How's considering that the, considering as well the like the fan base that has come around Blizzard games, like that's something I think that would that would be so good for that audience specifically. That um, and then some. There's like I just that's so weird. Like how do you that that's that's egg on the face of Mike Moraheim for sure because that's that's not political at all. Like. Saying it gets better. We don't make political statements, Morheim says. Um, it's not even a political statement. That's when asked so about was weird. when Morheim told them what's it? When at, we don't make political statements, Morheim said to the group. The group with employees from across the company asked what was political about preventing teen suicide. Morheim told them they had more important things to do than make videos, like work on their individual projects. Um, that's um, disappointing to hear from. They talk about as well um, at BlizzCon 2011, um, a lot of LGBTQ employees um, were very frustrated and upset where apparently Blizzard brought in Cannibal Corpse to perform at BlizzCon 2011, which I, I'm not in that community. I don't know what it's like. Um, I said, I mean, I don't know what the room like the word is around Cannibal Corpse, but apparently um, their singer specifically is very well known to be anti-gay. Um, and they introduced the band by literally showing a clip of them playing World of Warcraft, um, and with them saying a with him saying a bunch of homophobic slurs and telling Alliance players to effing die, you effing emo, it's like. So it's, and of course the version that they was posted was censored and doctored and r- removed the slurs, but they used that introduction for the live audience. Um pretty standard like boilerplate apologies what they say it's a very long article where it goes like there's a ton of detail in here as far as where what things have been like and where things are going with it um they also mention as well that the two people that they've brought in jen o'neill and mikey barra they talk about kind of what like what their approach has been because so far that's the only actual change that's really happened is them coming in um they talk up Jen O'Neill a lot uh, that she's been somebody who's been a big like a big pusher for pride events at Activision Blizzard in the past. Um, she's worked away from quality assurance tester th- up through executive Mikey Barra. Um, they don't they say that he they don't expect him to be a, a yes man that he has. He's definitely a listener would probably fight. <laughs> This is such a dumb, like, this is a dumb quote, said the source. He's not really a yes man. He would probably fight a lot of difficult situations. Um, they do mention as well that, that he has, just before that he joined the company, he has been connected to people who used to be at Blizzard who were directly fired for multiple allegations of sexual harassment against female employees. 
So, I mean, and granted, this like we we don't know what that relationship is necessarily. We don't know everything that goes on in and out, but it, I think it's a very stern reminder that just because. We just because there's a big change like that doesn't mean that everything's automatically better. There still needs to be accountability and there still needs to be follow up. I mean, after all, they haven't actually Blizzard has not either has not even acknowledged or done anything about the requests made by employees. Yeah, the the main point here is that there's still a lot that the employees are asking for and really none of it's happened yet. Um, Articles like this from Upcomer are just more so pointing. to the fact that there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot that employees are asking for. And sure, we, we can't expect it to change in one week, but there hasn't been any visible steps yet. But I was curious to see if it was going to say who who did this article specifically, but it just says staff. So yeah. my guess is, is that it's a... Uh, oh, it says here at the bottom. Yeah, um, I was say, Aaron- it's probably multiple people. Okay. Um, Aaron Gost or Garst, Bonnie Q and Parks Oosley. Oh, heck yeah. Bonnie Q. That's awesome. Bonnie crushes it. I didn't know. Um, I did not know Bonnie was writing for Upcomer. That's awesome. So it's stuff like this where it makes me a little bit more understandable or resolute with like, if this dies, it dies. Like I don't, I think there needs to be change and there needs to be improvements and this needs to be fixed, but also, I'm not as necessarily surprised if the company struggles to do anything else after this. Because it's so hard to change what's already happening. Is that why yeah. you think that? Yeah, I, I think that like, yeah. I I have faith in the people. There's a lot of good people at Blizzard. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad people that were there too, but I happen to know one of those people who I think will be a positive change at Blizzard. Um, and I I think that they will go in the right direction. I do. I think it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of pushing from those people. But I do think that the possibility is definitely there. Um, I'm not going. I do think that the that some of the things that are more difficult. Funny enough, I don't think have to do with Activision. I think it has to do more with Blizzard as a company itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what people sort of forget about this is that a lot of these problems existed before Activision really got its claws into Blizzard. So maybe maybe Activision wasn't making things better, but it wasn't necessarily their fault that things were bad to begin with. Well, and I'm sure if we go to Activision specifically, there's probably stuff there as well. I mean, we know that it's rampant and stuff came out with Riot two years ago. Um, there's stuff at Ubisoft right now. I think part of the thing they say in the article is that it is just a, ga- a lot of this is it is a gamer culture thing that needs to be shift broken and redirected. That this is the kind of culture that people come and the, Blizzard is somewhere that is fostering it and is enabling it and making Mm -hmm. it worse but this is an attitude that is already well established everywhere else i think there's going to need to be more than one uh, walkout from blizzard employees um, i definitely think in order to for things to sort of get to where they need to be and i definitely feel like with a lot of the things that are happening by the higher ups that there's more than likely going to be another walkout eventually coming right um 
I, I, I it, it just feels like that's the way that things are going to go. There's been so many bad things that have come out and continue to come out. Oh, you know, this article sort of highlights more of them, right? Well, let's talk. There's another thing that came out um, earlier this week. Metro, who is an Overwatch leaker, he quote unquote leaked Overwatch 2, although plenty of people knew about Overwatch 2 before he like made his tweet leaking it. Um, he also takes credit for leaking Ash as a hero, but he also he's been wrong in the past. Um, Metro put out a leak earlier this week saying that according to his sources that people in from within like people apparently close to the project that Overwatch 2 is a, a release in 2022 may not be possible and it's looking more and more likely that Overwatch 2 will be released in 2023. Uh there's a separate tweet that he put out where he says that it's about hero balancing. That from what I've gathered the new heroes are done mostly. They have a basic single campaign single player campaign completely done basically. They also have the new maps done for multiplayer. The thing they have not done is that they do not consider anything in terms of reworking heroes. I don't know. That's from a tweet. That's from a Twitch stream. Um, that he's added that del- developers have apparently only recently realized they need to consider hero reworks. I don't know. That's an addendum onto this. Um, the main thing was like he put out a thing saying that it's more and more likely Overwatch Two gets pushed to twenty twenty three. Um, people were kind of half and half on this. Um, there's Metro has been right in the past, but he's also been very wrong. And then. What kind of pushed things even further along was that um, there was an article that came up from Yiska, who's an Overwatch podcaster and is also a journalist within the scene, um, a couple of days ago on the 11th, that said that Overwatch League is to go. Overwatch League will be going on a potential year-long hiatus before season five, um, stating. And the headline is a little bit. Um, the headline is 100% accurate, or isn't 100% descriptive. That pretty much once the league ends um, this season, that he is saying that sources are saying that the league is going to be pushing out for an entire like. I'm just stumbling over words that season five will not start until around this time next year. It'll be a full 365 day um, from the end of this month or from the like, end of September in t- until the next season of Overwatch. So Overwatch League season five would start in mid to early, mid to late September that some teams have been informed but most of the players have some players have been informed um there's a lot of other stuff that goes into that but pretty much trying to keep putting out a statement that it was going overwatch league season five won't be coming back till next september with the idea being that the league wants to wait or teams want to wait until overwatch 2 comes out that they're not interested in playing on the current game anymore and it won't be very good if they do start in like September because you know who they have to go up against on on Sundays if they end up having a September start with football. They got to go against the king of Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. You got to go up against the NFL. And like I know that these are completely two different audiences for the most part, but not as many people as you think are are not football fans who also happen to watch the Overwatch League. Now, well, like a- if people. Tons of people are like, if they have the choice of what am I going to put on in my background monitor while I do stuff, Overwatch League or football, they're going to pick football. Exactly. It's it's one of those things where you don't want to be, you really don't want the league to be starting at that time. Like, there's a reason why that they they go in the summer months, right? Like, we all know why. It's because 
one, gamers don't do anything in the summer anyways, except stay inside. But two, you don't want to go against football if you don't have to. Mm. You just don't. Like, why would you? You know, you also have college football to contest with on Saturdays. Like, you don't want to do that. You kind of do here at the end of the year, but whatever. It's the end of the year. You're you're the all the championship is going to take precedent always over a lot of other things. You're not going up against, you know, the MLB finals. And, and like you feel a lot better competing with the MLB than you do competing with those other leagues, even though they're they're only tangentially related. So uh, from that standpoint, you don't want it to take that long anyways. Uh, it kind of throws off everything else for every year after that, because then you're going to have a much shorter off season to get back on the schedule you've been doing. So I hope it doesn't take that long. But I also don't like like the league's response to this, where it's like, oh, it's not going to take a year. Everything is in consideration, blah, 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 blah. If the league starts so, up in July, that's still a long freaking time before you get started. That's still bad. John Spector put out a tweet saying that it's not it's really not practical to respond to every rumor about our future plans but in this case this story is inaccurate we have not yet communicated dates about our 2022 season yet but we do not plan to take a year long hiatus in any scenario we are considering currently um this also is for, um was followed up on in an article from dot esports written by Jacob Wolf and Ms Liz um where it says that their exception they're assessing their options for 2022 including a potential extended off-season um, and interim events that could include non-season-based tournaments amid the uncertainty of their release calendar for Overwatch 2, um, according to their sources. Realistically, no matter, so no matter what happens, the league, has, the league has bungled themselves into this point where people are done with the game. We're ready for Overwatch 2. This is like... You and I, how many times have you and I and Jaw talked about this on other calls? We're like, this was going to happen at some point. Yeah, we we all knew this was going to happen. We knew that there was probably a lot of pressure on the the Overwatch team to to get things done, and obviously they don't want to, for whatever reason, they don't want to start a season with Overwatch one and then go into Overwatch two. And you know what doesn't make any sense to me about that, Ramses? is mm -hmm. I guess it's because play will fundamentally change from six to five. So I guess the reason why, like, like let's think about this from a team's perspective of why they wouldn't start the league with the, the six V six and want the five V five is they have one mm. less starter that they have to pay. Right. Yeah. L like that's one thing. There's more to it than just that though. Right. There's other factors you have to take into consideration as well. They don't want to have to, to basically switch from one game to the next, even though technically multiplayer for Overwatch is still going to be Overwatch, right? Like when Overwatch mm -hmm. 2 comes out, if you have the base game Overwatch, you'll still be able to play the multiplayer of the 5v5. You don't actually have to buy Overwatch 2. I feel like that's mm -hmm. something that people kind of forget about. So so from their standpoint, they don't want there, there's a lot of factors that make it a lot more difficult on them because 5v5 changes the game completely. So like there's a a competitive standpoint why you want to do it. There's a monetary standpoint of why they would want to wait as well. But from a fan perspective, what what incentivize you to watch the the you know the July um, 
tournament jamboree. J- july jamboree whatever they want to call it <laughs> you know some stupid you know alliteration name, name that they're going to put on it for because that's what they have to do apparently for their tournaments they can't think of anything better than that so they're going to put that stupid name of some kind on there but that doesn't matter for anything so what is your incentive to watch you know there is none because it's not anything to do with the actual league like it doesn't matter at the end of the year it's so it's so stupid. Like, what I don't understand is why not just continue on the schedule you've created for yourselves, and just continue to go that way. Like, why why is it that the switch from six v six to five v five? Like, like why do you have to have the league do that with the game? Well, if I think the game part is, of it, if you don't know when the game is coming out, well, and. S- so we talked about like the worry of the if the game releases mid season, because if the game releases mid season, not only is it going to be horribly hard for players to actually scrim in like the old game versus the new game, but also I think you would it's gonna it would kill a ton of viewership at that point. You know what would have made a big difference in you not having to worry about stuff like this for uh, going from Overwatch to Overwatch Two? You know what would have made a big difference, Ramses? Was that if you didn't change from six v six, the five v five, if if you if you didn't change from six v six to five v five, you wouldn't have any of these problems. And I know it's not a good argument for why you should do it. But at the same time, you you are now at the whim of when this game comes out. Like, like well, who like, knows how far they are into the game? Nobody knows. We just know they've reached an internal milestone. What does that tell us? Well, and also. So I think part of this is that the teams are kind of pushing Blizzard to be like, look, you're not like, well, we don't know that for sure either. I think I always go back to that article with Andy Miller, who owns a shock saying like, if I had to invest in either game, I would invest in COD right now because COD gets regular updates and Overwatch. We don't know what's coming. And at all, for all intents and purposes, we know there's no more content coming to Overwatch one. So getting it's hard to get people invested into a game that there's no content coming for. And you know what's funny? Even with all of that going on, we still had over 50,000 people watching today. 60,000. 60. There was like, there was a viewer peak today. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the weird thing is like, even with all of that noise, and it's not noise, it's, it's a lot of important stuff. But with all of that going on, you still had 60,000 people watching. It, which is, is wild to me because I, I don't remember the last time I actually saw 60,000 mm. people watching the Overwatch League. I think I saw Why? it at 65 at some point today. I, it's, I, I don't know, but still, it was over. It was fifty five thousand when I was watching. So, um, and I didn't really pay attention to what it got because I'm sure they had probably pretty good numbers for the 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 California game. Well, all this to be said, it is still very frustrating. We talk about. I think we need to mention as well before we get into games. This will be really rough as a fan for sure. But you think about this with players. There's no incentive if you're a team, there's no incentive to keep these players signed on for a calendar year if they're not going to be playing, if they're not going to be playing. And uh, yeah, oh, non season tournaments, whatever, or non season competitions. Is that going to be enough to sign somebody to a league minimum 50K contract? You better have damn good prize pools for these off season tournaments that you're going to be doing if you want to get viewership and if you want the players to be interested in freaking playing. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is going to be so weird if this ends up happening. I really hope it doesn't. I would rather 
wait the full year and have them just play on the Overwatch than for the game to come out in the middle of the year. And that's when we start the season. I feel like that is a bigger loss um, than anything else, in my opinion. I agree. It and I don't know. It's another one of those things where, like, if you are a player, how frustrating and anxiety inducing must it be to where not only you don't like you have no idea what's going on with the game, you the game you have committed your life to for the past couple of years, you have no idea what's going on with it in the next two years. You don't uh, even know what the season's going to be like. Them, the staves of these teams, the staves of the Overwatch League, the production teams, like all of it, all of yep. it. It, it, there's just so much it's ridiculous we'll keep you updated on that as we go along i'm if i've learned anything about covering overwatch is that just when you think there's no more news to come out a bunch more drops when you aren't looking yeah uh we do have to get into games this week though because we have we spent a lot of time talking on news there's um, a lot of going, news though there was. yes lots of stuff to cover going into the first couple games Thursday, Paris Eternal fall 3-2 to Toronto Defiant. Great week for Toronto, actually. Um, kind of rebounding from a middling performance over the past couple of stages. Well, I say great week. Um, this we'll, we'll cover more of it. Um, they 3-2 Paris. Very tight game. I think part of your, what you're seeing is that Hisu finally seems to be hitting that. He seems to be hitting that stride that we saw him hit with Philadelphia last year. Mm-hmm. He's looking really good. Um, Aspire is a great match alongside him on the Tracer. Nice comes in every once in a while as well, but I think Aspire really just plays the style that complements Hisu super well. We we just finally see seeing Toronto sort of uh, figure some things out. It, it seems like they figured out how they want to do their DPS rotation because we did get to see some of Aspire here throughout the week. Um, they they really just seem to to finally hit their stride of sorts as a collective, which was nice to see. It, it was really great to see them do that. Um, and they sort of separated themselves from some of these other teams that were just below them, which is something that needed to happen for them, especially going into they're, they're going to be a play in team for the regular season. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have to play in those play in games. But Washington is technically higher than them standings wise. Houston is higher than them standings wise. Those are now teams that I can see them competing with. Um, the teams below them in Paris Eternal and Boston, I definitely see them competing with and probably doing better than. Now the question becomes, how do they do with the top four teams in the league? And that's when when things get a little bit more hairy. So yeah. I, I, I do think that they at least have a, a, a some sort of chance of standing into that. But I don't think that they're going to beat some of those teams at the top, but they at least are going to be a lot more competitive than they w than if how we saw them at the beginning of the year. Houston Outlaws beat Florida Mayhem three to one. Um, really solid performance from Houston. Uh, I. I think it's just one of those things where Florida just is. Just can't make it happen at the very end of it. I mean, it's a three yeah. in one game, but it was decently close for the whole time. It it. it Florida, Florida had such a rough go after that first tournament. They really never seemed to regain it. Um, I think OGE coming back, though, did play really well in sort of his return this tournament mm -hmm. compared to when he was, you know, quote unquote benched um, for a rookie player who doesn't even play the position. Mm -hmm. um, he's just a guy who I think just struggles a lot. 
with with a lot of different things that he has to deal with and he he definitely regained um and, and played like the player we know he can but but it just wasn't enough there there just wasn't enough time and Florida had just too rough of a go this entire season to try and get back into it mhm it's like i don't know if any of our listeners are like for listeners who've played high school sports i don't know if this is applied to you as well but you'll see something in a team where they'll peak at a certain time and you really have to manage when your team peaks. Cause if you peak too early, it is rough trying to get through the rest of that season. Well, they just could never dig themselves out of the hole that they created too. Like it's one thing to peak early on. I, I think it's more so they, they, they didn't stay ahead of teams that were behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of lost it. And there's there's multiple factors I think that can contribute to that as well. I don't I I think that the the peaking part was um, I I think there's only so much to that because you know it's a long season like like even though it doesn't feel like it's been that long it's been pretty long. Something to mention as well, um, Florida Mayhem finally have signed Avast as a content pro- not just as a content manager. Uh, he has a specific title now. He's a producer, I believe, is what they've called him, like a content producer. Or associate something. producer, yes. Associate producer. I don't know what exactly he's associate producing, but good for a vast. Hey, um, it's a great fit. I think one of the main, like one of the main personalities that's still driving Overwatch content outside of the league itself. Going over to APAC, Chengdu Hunters 3-1 over Hangzhou Spark. Guangzhou Charge 3-0 over LA Valiant. Pretty straightforward. Looking at the Friday games, Paris Eternal 3-0 over London Spitfire. San Francisco Shock 3-0 over the Vancouver Titans. LA Gladiators 3-1 over Florida Mayhem, officially knocking them out of playing contention. It's a rough week for Florida, man. It just did not. Last week, it looked like maybe they were going to be able to pull it together and make that last final run. But it just even though they played well this week, it just wasn't enough in either of those games. They had to go against two teams that were definitely just playing a lot better at this time of the year. I think the Gladiators have come on really strong here towards the end of the year. Um, they finally put a lot of it together. So they, they just had a really rough go of it. And like I said, it was just too little too late. Like if you have these 3-1 games and you're sitting in a play-in spot, you're, you're probably like, oh man, this bodes well for them in play-ins. But instead, they're on the outside looking in. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. It's... They're, they're still a pretty young team. They still have a lot that they can figure out as far as what they want to do. Um, I think Yaki's still a very good player and still somebody they can build around. Looking as well at the last of the Saturday games, Chengdu Hunters 3-0 the LA Valiant, making them the only winless team for all of Season 4. Not something we were surprised by, but still something that is still kind of mystifying to see regardless. Yeah, it, it's really rough. The The rest of the league was just the, the rest of the APAC region was that much better than them. Um, it sucks because there are some players that have played at least decent on their team. Like, it's not like they are devoid of talent at all. Like, these are still pretty good players. Um, It just really, really is disappointing that this is what has happened to the LA Valiant and that they couldn't somehow get a better roster together too for this move over to APAC. And we'll see what happens next year. Cause I have no idea who knows. 
Um, and then Guangzhou charge 3-2 over Hangzhou Spark. Wrapping up Saturday games as well, London Spitfire versus Vancouver Titans in what was referred to as the bread bowl for everybody. Uh, very tight game. I think you saw it really came down to a lot of it of Dalton versus Shaxx, in my opinion. But uh, London pull out the win, ending their season with a victory going one and 15, just like the Vancouver Titans. And they also finished with the exact same map record, if I remember correctly, too. So they they finished completely even. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You're happy for the London boys that they got a win at the end of the season, but still, this result is not acceptable. Yeah, it, it took them to Vancouver to get a win, you know? Um, and I know that they've been through a couple different coaches. I get it, but still. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think that's the reason why, but still. Who would, I mean, it's crazy. When we looked at the, at the season, at the beginning of the season, we were doing power rankings. People for sure, for sure, thought Paris was going to place lower than London. And look where we are now. I mean. Uh, yeah, it, it was a toss up between those two. I they were going to be both near the lower end of the bracket, but yeah. like and, and most Paris people thought Lemon would place higher. Right. And Paris has definitely been a, a nice surprise for sure. I'll talk a little bit going into the next game. L.A. Gladiators versus the Houston Outlaws. Um, unfortunately, as a long suffering Houston fan, it just sucks. So LA gladiators three Oh, it's kind of a stomp. If I'm being honest, Houston just isn't able to, I don't know what it is necessarily. I don't know what the specific thing you can point to it being, but Houston did not have any sort of answers for literally anything today. They lost both points on Oasis. They lose both points on Hanamura they take one point on Numbani. Like, it's so frustrating because there's these points where Houston looks like, all right, they've got together, they're making it work, they're making it happen. And then, whether it's overcommitting to a weird comp or just not being able to finally execute, it just does not happen for Houston. And then, ugh. I'm not surprised necessarily, but we'll see what happens going into plans. I don't expect that much better of a result. I think you just really hope that Houston, you you really would have wanted Houston to have ended on a higher note than this. Going into the other play-in game, or I guess the other um the other Saturday game, San Francisco Shock 3-1 over Toronto Defiant. Toronto plays pretty well in this game. Uh, but this really looked like San Francisco kind of hitting their stride or coming into their own. Uh, very, very strong performance on Hanamura and on Umbani, just kind of locking them out. Same with, like, oh my gosh, the full hold from San Francisco Shock on point one of Rialto is just kind of ridiculous. Nero looking really good. Same with, they've been rotating in different DPS, but I think they've been rotating Glister and Striker kind of between the two. But Nero looking really good. Violet and Twilight just locking it down from the support line. And they've really seemed to nail how to do the, the, how to do the rotations for Smurf and Super on the Orisa, to where they have people set up by map in a sweet, in a, in a great way that, where they're going to be able to actually capitalize on it. Or, 
I don't know whether it's a exhaustion thing or if it's just having people play certain maps or train for certain maps, but San Francisco does very well for this game. Any thoughts as far as Houston Glads or San Francisco Toronto? I can't believe that Houston could not win the maps that they needed in order to get there. I, I, oh my God. Oh man. It, they let in Dallas. I couldn't believe it. It's kind of heinous. Just that like, and they looked, they did not look good that game. They did not look good that game at all. I was, Um, I was, I was a little, I was kind of happy. Because I wanted to see Dallas get in, but I was also like, I can't believe that literally the reason that they're getting in is because Houston of all teams can't find a way to win the maps that they need to to get in. Oh, they got shut out on two out of the three maps. The only point they got was like one point on Numbani, I think. It was not good. It does not look good for Houston's play-in chances. I am not. Well, they'll they'll be in the play-ins, but. No, like they'll be in, but I don't think they're going to do well. Well, they probably have to play a team like Boston or Paris, and I think that they can beat either of those teams because I think I don't think they're moving from the five spot. So I I forget. I think it's top four, make it in and then bottom uh, five through nine play each other. Right. Um, I think it changes for count like glads might no glads. I think we'll push them down to five. I'm not sure they're above glads are above them. Um, Yeah. Glads have the better win uh, differential uh, or map differential. And right now they have the same amount of points, but I think it's map differential after points. So Gladiators will be four. Houston will be five uh, since they didn't make it in to potentially get the playoff points. So Houston for sure is in the play-ins. Like, I don't think five through nine changes. Um, I think what changes up here is the Dallas Fuel, San Francisco, Atlanta Rain, and Gladiators, where those four teams end up sitting, minus Dallas, because nobody can catch Dallas. Dallas is one as the number one spot locked down. I do think, I don't know, I just can't. We're getting into the part of the season where I'm like, yes, no faith in Houston. No faith in Houston restored. And <laughs> no faith in Houston restored. You, I'm telling you, man, my comparison that I made all those that all that time ago that Houston Outlaws fans are like Cubs fans. I think it still stands. I think it's still like a very accurate and good description of Houston Outlaws fans. Going on San Francisco 3-1 Toronto Defiant, pretty standard. Nero looks really good in this one. Toronto put up a decent fight, but just not enough to actually push any maps. Um, knockouts for today. Chengdu Hunters beat out the New York Excelsior three to one. And then the Seoul Dynasty beat out the Philadelphia Fusion three to one as well. I know so many people on my timeline were like, this is Philly's time. It's finally happening. This is Philly's time. It's going to happen. And then it didn't. I thought that Seoul looked very good. Um, I thought that this was them finally coming on strong at the end of the year and we saw profit have a stellar game i think what sucks for philadelphia is like you need carpe out there and i just don't think he's the and and you saw them do it at times where they did not have him on the tracer the entire time but 
it just felt like other teams were able to like get a lot more from their tracers than specifically Philly was getting for the most part. There was more to it than just that, obviously. Um, I don't think Hotba had the greatest of games either in this series. I think he was okay, but I think to you has um, (laughs) unfortunately the hero pool to sort of compete with what Hotba does and can kind of cancel him out. Um, and uh, Fitz and Profit were sort of like Fitz and Profit at the end of the year last year. So it, it, it feels like Soul's peaking at the right time. And then poor New York Excelsior, they really do feel like they're coming together. Like they get one map against Chengdu. But Chengdu is just so good that it's not going to matter. When and New York gets cut out of play-ins now. that's the most disappointing part about it and the saddest part about it, right? Like they can't, they cannot jump over the, uh, the spark who like the spark are losing to the Guangzhou charge. And now the Guangzhou charge have been able to win some games against some of the better teams, but Guangzhou has been so darn inconsistent this entire year. The fact that the spark who have been, let's just, just be honest. They've been a disappointment. Yep. Like, it really sucks that this is the way that things have been going. And then for the NA knockouts, Toronto Defiant knocks out Paris of 3-2. to two. Toronto has a great game here. Um, Hisu, I think, like we talked about before, Hisu and Aspire really just locking it down. Sato looking really good on the ball as well. San Francisco Shock 3-0'd Dallas Fuel. Um we we got confirmation that Pine was in Dallas, so he's finally made it with the team. People thought like, okay, well, like Dallas isn't gonna go, like isn't gonna win, but like we'll see Pine a little bit. Like we're gonna get to see Pine, and I think that the argument came forward, which I agree with. Like this is not necessarily the place you want to introduce a fresh player who has not played with your team before. However, if it's not here, it's in the tournament. Like it's if it's not here. It's in playoffs. And is that like that much better? I don't think so. I think it's better because he's more integrated with the team. Like he just got here. What? A few days ago. Oh, no. I mean, just along that argument of like, oh, like it's a high pressure situation. Right. It's a high pressure situation that he has no time at all to have worked with the team. Why are you going to throw him to the wolves? Yeah, sure. You're going to have to throw him to the wolves at some point, but at least have him be prepared. Give him a freaking, you know, a shotgun or something. And then he has a chance against the wolves. But if you throw him in with nothing but his bare ass, what's he going to do? He's going to just go out there and get crapped on. And then he's going to feel bad because they missed out on making the tournament because he wasn't able to compete at the level that they think he can compete at. At least here, you get a couple of weeks before playoffs and they get a little bit of extra time because they're the top seed. So you get more time to integrate him into your roster. So that way, at least he feels prepared and he doesn't feel like he let his team down because he didn't really know what he should be doing. It's a definitely a much better situation to put him in there than to maybe, you know, one thing that that seems to be a thing with Pine is his mental, right? Mm-hmm. So why are you going to boom him mentally right when he gets here, when you can take the time to do your best to insulate him from any of that mental booming when he gets a chance to get into a game like that's that seems like the much better decision to me. The argument came from that he does like for all intents and purposes, we had a, we had expected that Dallas was totally content missing this tournament. So 
it would be a chance where like no I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you i understand i agree with you but the argument was that is a chance for him to come into an area to where he gets a little bit of time in a competitive environment but it isn't with he gets a little bit in in a tournament where like they're probably not going to go forward rather than only in playoffs but i i agree and i understand with where you're coming from to me this is something that tells me that they can go to pine and be like see we need you you know this is something where he can be like yeah man if i was in there i could have maybe done something like this is the situation that i can see it as and i can spin it as and i'm sure that rush can spin it as that like hey see when we get you ready we're going to be able to put you in some of these situations where we otherwise don't have the player that we need and the san francisco shock we're going to find out what their fate was here soon is somebody who just three owed you. And it was a really tough series. And now they're going to be sitting at home too. So mm-hmm. now you, you have the chance to, to maybe do a lot of scrimming with another team. That's going to be on the outside looking in that has a lot of talent that has your number, at least as of recent time in this past series, in the most recent time where you can now integrate him in and get some good competition along with it. And then two more games to cover. Like we said, well, no, that's the next game. Toronto Defiant, Atlanta Reign. Atlanta goes 3-1. I think, I've been talking about Hisu a lot, but I think this was like the performance on Hanzo, on Volskaya, where he is just hitting. It's one of those, like, I refuse to lose moments where he holds them to a draw instead of a full loss. It's so unfortunate, right, that you you can have like a carry performance like that. But like Overwatch is such a team game where it doesn't matter. And like on the other side, like I think Hawk had a super good game and they really seem to be solidifying now that it's Kai Edison, right? For a lot of yeah. the, the di- for at least this specific meta, right? No, well, you did you know about that? Pelican had a collapsed lung this week. That's why he didn't play. Wait, what? Did oh, you no, not I, know about that? I didn't know about that. I didn't see yeah. about that. He posted in his, t- he is like a personal discord. But it's like, hey guys, like I'm getting surgery. Um, I had my lung collapse, but I'm all right. Like I'll see you guys next week. Well, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Apparently it's something that's happened to him. I think I had heard that it's happened to him before. I don't know enough about collapsed lungs to know if you're more susceptible to having it happen. If it's happened to you before, but I mean, that's entirely possible. That's scary. That sucks. That's um, yeah. Wow. That this was that was why he didn't play this week was because he had a collapsed lung. I mean, they played well with with Kai and Edison, though. Um, it, it really didn't matter, at least against Toronto. I mean, I hope he'll be OK. Like, I, I don't know if you'd take a guy to Hawaii after he just had his lung collapse. So, yeah, I don't know about that either. I think that if they hold him off, like, I think that they like the clearly the, the style that they want to play. They feel like they can play it pretty, um, pretty well with Edison and Kai. Like, mm-hmm. I think they did a lot of the Torb throughout most of this. And they did do some, I think, of the fairer stuff. Like, they, they definitely had Edison sort of playing the role that you probably would have had Pelican playing. Kind of scary to think that they, they handled business so well. And one of their best players it's a collapsed lung and wasn't playing. My God, they, they do seem like a team on the rise. And I, I really do think that they ha- have the best chance going forward for, for an NA team to win it all in um, the, the tournament. And then last game of the week, 
LA Gladiators, San Francisco Shock. It's a knockdown, drag out fight. But LA takes it 3 2 on Oasis. Super tight, super close game. It was really good, but the difference maker being the control map speeds ends up being the bane of the existence once again to the San Francisco Shock. They can meme on it all they want, but at the end of the day, they still got to be able to win one of them in order to to make it through some of these games. I do think that like San Francisco really has come alive, though, right? Like, like they're they're starting to regain form at the right time. They really seem to have figured things out. Like Ons has definitely been a godsend for mm-hmm. them, at least getting them into a competitive realm where they maybe necessarily weren't before. Like him and Nero have turned into a very good duo. Glister has been coming in as well a little bit here, a little bit there and playing pretty good too. Like they seem to figure out how they want to do the rotation with those three. Choyobin's playing a lot better than he was earlier in the year. Uh, Violet and Twilight is what they want to do. They don't really, they, they, um, it's going to be very interesting to see like how they reintegrate FD God back in once we get to, Lucio being back in. I don't know if Lucio will be meta or not, but we know that Lucio is an important part of a lot of the composition. So there, there's still a lot of things that I have questions about with the San Francisco shock, but I definitely feel like they are a team that you you definitely don't want to see if you don't have to when it comes mm. to playoff time. And then looking ahead, we have our final four teams, Soul Dynasty and Atlanta Reign, and then LA Gladiators and Chengdu Hunters. Those games are happening. Seoul versus Atlanta is happening um, Thursday, August 19th at 6. LA versus Chengdu is going to be that same day at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Winner's bracket is going to happen. Or So the next two matches will happen in the next two days. Um, finals game for Countdown Cup will happen on Saturday, August 21st at 6 o'clock p.m. The, I, for one, I'm excited because we're going to get a new winner for this tournament no matter what we'll have a team that has not won a tournament before yeah it'll be nice um i i think that the apac teams are looking a little bit stronger right now although Mm -hmm. then again gladiators like kevster at the end there kevster was why they won like he literally won a couple of fights by himself massive pulse bombs like super super good like him and bird ring been really fun to watch together as a dps duo uh, they, they seem to be running them a lot more again. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like, you're not seeing a little bit of, of mirror and, um, you're still seeing a little bit of a mix up, but like those two in particular are very fun to watch. So, um, I, I think that Atlanta has the better chance. Um, it, it's hard to really pick this though. Yeah, it is. It should be noted as well though. Like this is, this is LA kind of finally making good on some of those things that we've wanted from them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, finally like inching towards those things is probably a better way of saying it. I think they still need to actually win the tournament before we say they've made good on anything. Yeah. They, they still have to actually be a team that, that comes in and competes and, and possibly wins. So I'm really curious to see how this ends up going. Um, I I'm really excited for this final four. Cause I do think it, it has the potential of being maybe the closest one we've seen. Um, not that there haven't been some close ones in the past, but 
I do think that we could end up seeing the the two teams that have made it more times to these tournaments maybe finally get their go at, at, in the finals and maybe one of them win in Chengdu or Atlanta. This does seem like I can easily see any one of these four teams winning. it. I think the team I see least likely to win is L.A. Um, and it's not by a lot, you know, like they're just the team that that this is their first time here along with Seoul. But Seoul, it's more of been like, OK, they run into the wrong team at the wrong time. Like they still only lost four games in the mm-hmm. regular season, whereas the Gladiators have lost some games that make you scratch your head. Sure, they only have one less loss or one more loss than than um, than Seoul does. But it, Seoul, man, what Seoul was able to do uh, going against the best team in the world, potentially in Shanghai, and sure, Shanghai wasn't Shanghai in this last uh, run of games. It's still impressive. And then they handle they handle Philadelphia in in their in their game to get into to the the final four. I'm I I I still have uh, a lot more faith in them than I do in L.A. at this point and not by a lot. Like, I still think L.A. is really good. I agree. I think if I. Atlanta's probably who I go with, but I still I I'm feeling soul as I mean it's not that this tournament has a dark horse, I would say, because I think anybody can make it. But if anybody were to kind of be like that, I think it would be soul for me. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning too, Chengdu did go four and zero. Yes. To get into the tournament. Like and they handled New York, who was a team on the rise and really ended their not just ended them from getting into the countdown cup, but ended their playoff hopes. Like yes. LA had a lot riding on that game and Chengdu proceeded to handle them with relative ease. Like, I think that is worth mentioning a little bit. Yes, sir. We'll bring all that for you next week when we do episode 116 of Push the Point. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight or on your podcast provider. We appreciate you. Hope you know that. And as always, just want to send you a reminder. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Makes it lets us know what you like, what we can make better. And it's just the best way of helping us out. We also invite you to join us in the Mash Those Buttons community on discord which you can do so by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons it'll keep you up to date on all of your favorite shows from the network few of which you get to hear about right after we're done here so stick around for that also please please support the network patreon.com slash mash those buttons is where you do that little as a dollar a month and you get access to patreon exclusive content uh this network is awesome please go ahead and do that. You can also, of course, uh, contact the show if you would like. There's a couple ways you can do that at pushpointpod is probably the best. You know, that's what Twitter's for or push the point at gmail.com if you'd rather send us something more long form. Yes, sir. If you want to get in contact with Labosco specifically, you can find him at his conveniently named Twitter handle at Labosco. Um, you're going to start seeing a lot of bear stuff. Um, probably a lot of White Sox stuff. I don't know if you watch that Field of Dreams game or not, Ramses, but I, I got really loud at the end of that game because Tim Anderson is the man. Mm-hmm. I'm stoked for you, my friend. 
<laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Ramsey's underscore OW, where I have occasional thoughts trying to post more posting dogs and just boots. I get, I don't know. It's a good dog I, post you put. It's always good to put a dog on Twitter, uh, especially a dog that seems to be a happy dog. So tough is a good boy. I'm, I am happy whenever I get to see him, but that is going to be it for us for episode 115 of push the point. We'll see you guys next week. Stream might be a little bit early. I know um, I have complications on Sunday that we'll be checking in on, but we'll you'll get an episode from us next week for sure. We're excited to get it to you, and we'll see you for our wrap-up of the Countdown Cup. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. Be good to others, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord.